Hey friends, it's episode 303 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. I'm really excited to chat about glucose. Now, this is something that has really informed a lot of the decisions that I've made uh, over the last year or so as it relates to my nutrition and my diet and just everything. If you love our conversation today and you really want the basics around what glucose is, what glucose monitoring does, the differences between all of those, and you really just want a basic and even further conversation on this, episode 279 and 292 were done a couple of months ish ago. Uh, and they're really good if you want to continue on the conversation with continuous glucose monitoring. Now, there are likely diabetics listening. I've had a couple of really angry diabetics contact me about using continuous glucose monitoring for health uh, when it is a required item for their well-being. And I think it's so incredibly wonderful that science has allowed us to make these tools. And though I totally understand the validity and the absolute requirement, it's like EpiPens, you know, like I need two EpiPens at all times. If I were to eat peanuts, I need one and then a backup. And that stuff is serious. If I watch people like shooting themselves up with EpiPens, I'm like, you guys are crazy. Like I need to carry this thing around with me all the time and you're just having fun with it. But I really, 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 really do love the technology behind this. And as somebody who has you know, had an eating disorder for so, so many years. And many of the decisions that I've made have come from a place of science and understanding my body to truly understand how my body reacts to food, what my hormones respond best and not so good with. Um, it's been very, very key in the constant journey that I'm on of healing my body. And so I feel like Though it is a required tool for diabetics, oftentimes so that we can, you know, you guys can function. And I think that that's just such a blessing. I also do see the incredible power of a continuous glucose monitor for somebody that has an imbalanced metabolism or is having a bunch of food reactions and can't figure out what's happening or just, you know, not feeling the best. And that's really where I was coming from. You know, we can always feel just a little bit better. And that was definitely my experience. So today I want to answer all of your questions as it relates to continuous glucose monitoring. You guys submitted some really good questions over on our contact form. If you ever want to ask me a question, you can head on over to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact, put in your information there, and I will get back to you either on the podcast or over email. In addition to, we got a bunch of Instagram submissions also. So we're going to be kind of bouncing around um, with some questions here, and I'm really excited to get into it. So let's get into this. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel, and you're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've put together a free 21-page guide on achieving weight loss on your keto diet if nothing is working as a little thank you for being here today. Grab your free guide at ketoforwomen.com to get the steps you need to overcome the hurdles standing in your way. Okay, as I said just a little bit ago, I'm going to be switching between Instagram and like longer form questions. So we're just going to get through as much as we can and see how long this episode ends up being. Okay, so first question, uh, do you happen to know if CGMs will come down in price in the near future? Okay, so this is a really good question. I know that when do you remember when uh, maybe you don't because you're new to the keto space. But when I got started in keto in uh, July or June, I'm starting to get faded now. Uh, 2014, it was so expensive to test ketones. Like I remember spending up, it worked out to be about three to $5 a strip, a test strip. So like you really had to commit to testing. And it was the worst because like every third strip wouldn't work and you'd have to use a second strip while you're testing. So it was like, there goes $10. There's another $5. And I mean, you could spend $30 a day just testing your ketones and it got really pricey. Now, continuous glucose monitors are high in price right now because there aren't a lot of them. And I think, you know, from what I understand, all the companies that are now selling continuous glucose monitors, I'm speaking strictly for the United States right now. We'll talk about Canada in a second. But 
all the companies that are selling these things only get a certain amount. So it, it, you know, I've had many diabetics contact me like you guys are using all of them up and all of that stuff. As far as I know, doing the research, companies are only allotted a certain amount. And that's why the wait lists are so long because prescriptions and such take precedence over these other companies. So the cost is really high. The Output is really low. And we saw this with, with ketone testing. We saw this with glucose uh, prick testing. We saw this with breath monitors. I mean, we've seen this time and time again. Right now, I believe Levels, which you can find out more by going to levels.link slash KDP for more information. I believe getting a one month supply of Levels is like $499. Now, don't quote me on that. Definitely check it out. It depends when you're listening to this episode as to what they do. But I mean, I don't see a reality where that will be that price forever. For example, in Canada, as far as I understand, you can go to a pharmacy and ask the pharmacist for a continuous glucose monitor and they'll be like, here you go. You don't need a prescription. Now, from what I understand, they're not as readily available because of that reason. But just seeing how in Canada, you can spend 50 to $80 on a one month supply. In the US, it's currently 499. I am sure based on the history of monitoring and expenses and everything, I'm sure in about five or so years, the price will go down as the company Abbott, who who makes the continuous glucose monitor itself, starts producing more of them. Now, as far as I know, the most popular company that creates the actual monitor itself is Abbott. Okay, so anytime you sign up for any of these memberships with continuous glucose monitors, or you get a prescription, you're going to get an Abbott monitor. So what does that mean? Well, if you just then get the freestyle LibreLink app, you just scan your arm. This is where you put it on the back of your arm. You scan your arm at least once every eight hours. I like to do it more so I can learn stuff. And the app will tell you what your glucose is. It'll show you the little chart, but it won't tell you about what foods you ate. It won't ask you to log your foods. So you kind of just see what your glucose is at any given time, but it doesn't analyze the data like Levels does. And so that's why I really like the Levels app because it does all the work for you. You Take a picture of your food if you want or your exercise or whatever you're doing. Type in a little something about what you're doing or what you're eating. And then it starts to rank all your foods and give you feedback. And it's just brilliant. Now, as a practitioner and a holistic nutritionist, I can do that for my clients by looking at the Abbott app. I, again, I think it's called Freestyle uh, Libre Link app. And so I can see that, but it takes a lot of time. So the Levels app's kind of taking the guesswork out of it. And that's where the value is also. So even if CGMs were to go down in price, I could see apps like that still charging, I don't know, a membership of maybe 89 to 100 ish dollars a month to just have that ongoing service. So that's kind of now, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm just, you know, I've been in the nutrition industry since 2007. And wow, time flies. And in the keto space since 2014. So I've kind of seen these trends. And so it's likely that the cost will go down. But is it going to be tomorrow? Probably not. It'll be probably anywhere between three to five years. Okay, next question. How do you isolate the food to remove or to keep your level more flat? Oh, this is such a great question. And so the Levels app does a really good job of, of displaying what you're reacting to, how much your glucose went up or down as a result of the activity or the food. But here's the issue. If you make your meals overly complicated you're not going to know what you reacted to. Also, none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. So it's really, really important to understand that if you have, I'm going to make it really simple. If you have a stressful work meeting and then for lunch you have a cheeseburger and then the next day you like go for a leisurely walk and then have a cheeseburger, your results on that cheeseburger are going to be completely different. Probably on the day where you had a stressful meeting and then had a cheeseburger, that stressful meeting will have impacted your glucose. And then the cheeseburger will have impacted your glucose even further. Whereas if you go for a walk and then eat, it's going to be totally different. So was it the walk? Was it the food? You really have to delve deep into it. And that's why... I have mixed feelings about wearing a CGM long, 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 long term because I think we get very complacent with things and we're like, yeah, yeah, it's just like if it goes up, I'll change things. And 
I think what's really powerful, and I've been doing this with my levels app and with the CGM that I wear is I'll wear it for 14 days and like really intensely isolate things, move stuff around, try different things. It'll be like two weeks of intense hyper focus on what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, how I'm eating, simplifying my meals as much as possible. You know, I'll have, for example, a steak with spinach. And then the next day I'll have a steak with arugula. What was the difference? I mean, that's a very simple explanation and a very simple meal and probably something I wouldn't test, but you're keeping the constant and then adding something in and like really trying to keep the environment the same. Now, I find that it's helpful to kind of do those targeted spots of like 14 days and then break and then 14 days and then break because the monitor will last for 14 days in your arm. However, I have clients specifically who have been um, wearing their CGM for months and they use it to inform every choice. And the longer you wear it, the more you learn, the more time you have with it. So it depends on the type of person that you are and, and all of those things. I've been on an iron boosting kick. About six months ago, I discovered my iron levels were dangerously low. Why? Well, because I like plants and I eat a lot of plants on my ketogenic diet. And when you do not combine vitamin C with plant-based iron foods, the iron cannot be absorbed. Now, vitamin C-based foods are kind of lacking in the ketogenic diet. It's not impossible to get enough, but it is a challenge. So I started supplementing with Paleo Valley Essential C, and in just three short months, I doubled my iron level. Extreme fatigue, weakness, fluttering heartbeat or shortness of breath, headache, dizziness or lightheadedness, cold hands and feet, inflammation of the tongue, brittle nails. These are all symptoms of low iron, and I had all of them. Sitting on the lower end of normal iron levels can deliver some of these symptoms. And it's very unpleasant, let me tell you. Coupled with the immune boosting component of vitamin C, you really can't go wrong with this one-two punch in your ketogenic diet. And why Paleo Valley Essential C? It's third-party lab tested as the most powerful 100% natural vitamin C product on the market today. It contains not one, but three of the most concentrated natural sources of vitamin C amla berry, camu camu berry, and unripe aceola cherry, the most potent source of natural vitamin C on earth, which is 120 times higher than that found in an orange. Each nutrient-packed serving delivers 750% your RDI of vitamin C, an amount meant to help you thrive, not just survive. Most other vitamin C supplements are derived from GMO corn and only contain one fraction of the vitamin, ascorbic acid. Paleo Valley Essential C Complex contains the entire spectrum with absolutely no synthetic vitamin C, just organic superfoods. Makes a huge difference. Head on over to Paleo Valley dot com load up grab a couple of bottles of vitamin c complex whatever else that catches your eye the superfood bars are amazing if you need a recommendation then enter the code keto at checkout to receive 15 percent off your first order again that's paleovalley.com and the code keto for 15 percent off your first order so, okay, next question is, is CGM only good for the keto diet or is it a good idea for somebody just wanting to eat better? Oh, this is such a great question. It is good for anyone who wants to eat better and really understand what foods they react to, what environments, what workouts, really understand their metabolic health. If you start wearing CGM and your glucose is up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, then you're like, wow, I need to do something about this. And so maybe you eat less, you have... um better foods, you know, maybe you find that when you eat more fat in a meal, it's more regulated. Or when you go for a walk after it's more regulated. If you have apple cider vinegar after your meal, it's more regulated, like all those things. Um, it does not require you to be on a ketogenic diet in order for you to have benefit. However, saying that, Something that I find a lot of people hyper-focus on when we come to keto is our ketones. And while ketones can inform a little bit, I find they don't really tell us much about our metabolic health and really our overall health marker. Now, glucose is a far better indicator of our metabolic health and how far we, we are along in our healing process. You know, if I would have worn a CGM 
like 10 years ago, I could just about guarantee it would be up, down, up, down, up, down. And now I do have those moments where, as I mentioned on Instagram a little while ago, if you don't already follow me, you can at Leanne Vogel that I stopped, I've stopped fasting for a little while. I'm having breakfast, lunch, dinner. And I find by doing that, my glucose is far more regulated. I was finding when I woke up, my glucose was already pretty low. And then throughout the day, it would get even lower and I would lose energy and I was having a hard time focusing. And then when I'd start eating, it would skyrocket. And then I'd be on this up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down thing until bed. And then it would drop again and I would get disrupted sleep. And this pattern kept repeating until I thought, you know, like, what would it be like if I just ate breakfast, lunch, dinner for a couple weeks and it improved massively. And so that's really helped me in understanding that some of the keto protocols aren't working for me right now. And so, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Okay, next question. Have you noticed impacts on glucose when you eat dairy or other food sensitivities or intolerances? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I have found out that I'm sensitive to grapefruits. I had these like dry, dry, dry lips for quite a while. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably noticed how dry my lips have been lately. And <laughs> I could not figure out what it was. And then one day I chose to have a grapefruit. Like just, I was like, oh, I wonder what just a grapefruit does. And I don't react to citrus. You know, I found out oranges are really great. I don't react to them. And then the grapefruit, I skyrocketed. I'm like, oh, that's weird. So then I tried a couple of other things that I'm sensitive to, uh, specifically a little bit of dairy. It spiked up. Um, What was the other thing that I tried? Oh, soy, it spiked up. Um, So, you know, when I look at other beans, like everything else, it does not spike. But any form of soy, if there's soy in there, it spikes. So that's been really fun with to um, just play around and see how the body reacts. Okay, next question. My glucose will sometimes go quite low into the 50s, but I feel fine. Does this mean ketosis? Really good question. So I find anything below I like to say 55, some people say 50, anything at 50 or below, you need to eat, like you need to eat. And I would even push it to 55. And I'm only speaking to those who have, um, who do not have um, insulin regulation issues, whether diabetes one, two, or insulin resistance. If you're getting down to the 50s, like low 50s with those imbalances, that's no, that's pretty not great. So you'll definitely want to chat with your doctor if that's the case and kind of find out what your proper level is and kind of what to shoot for. But I'm very uh, much of this also is I have more of a propensity toward a lower glucose than experiencing high, high glucose. So I always need to watch if I get too low, it can disrupt sleep, it can disrupt your hormones, your energy, your focus, all of those things. So the low 50s, I would say that it's probably because you're fasting and I would encourage you if it gets to those low 50s to eat something. That does not mean ketosis necessarily. What we're looking at with our glucose regulation you know, when we're using CGM data is we want nice rolling hills. When, when we eat something, it goes up nicely, it slowly starts to go down nicely, like a rolling hill. We don't want peaks and valleys. We don't want tall mountains, then cutting off and then going down and then tall mountains and these up, down, up, down, up, downs. That's what I'm talking about. So it's not necessarily that we want a low, low, low number. Like I am so, so incredibly happy when I see my client or myself kind of averaging around 75 and then they eat and perhaps it goes up to 100, 110 and this nice rolling hill and then comes back down to the 75 marker going down to the 50s isn't required. If you're going down to the 50s, and it's likely that you have some sort of hypoglycemia or hyperglycemic event that's causing that. And it's important to check your protein and fat intake specifically if it's happening during the night to see if that can improve your sleep and improve your energy and all those things. Okay, next question. Have you noticed any changes in your glucose or ketones averaging ketone trends average with keto carb cycling? Okay, I see what you're saying. So do you notice a difference between glucose or ketones uh, numbers as your carb cycling? So ideally, as it relates to ketones, 
ideally, if you are an average woman who wants to support her hormones and make sure she's eating enough, that she's cycling her carbohydrates properly and she's not overdoing the carbohydrates, after a carb up, you should get back into ketosis within 24 hours. So if you're having anywhere between 40 to 80 grams of carbs at 6 p.m. on a Monday, by 6 p.m. on a Tuesday, you should be registering ketones again. Okay, so that's one thing. If you don't know what a carb up is, uh, you can just go to Healthful Pursuit or rather Google even. Go to Google and type in Healthful Pursuit Carb Up and there's like so much on there. If you want to learn how to do carb ups properly, how to support your hormones on your ketogenic diet while also wanting to lose weight and hit your goals, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash six week. I will include that link in the show notes. Uh, That's my six week ketogenic weight loss program specifically geared toward women who want to lose weight and cycle the carbs. We do a little bit of carb cycling, but it's mostly whatever we got to do to support your hormones. Cause when your hormones are supported, you're able to lose weight. So I will include a link there. I just opened the program up for registration ongoing. So you can join that six week program anytime you'd like. Okay. So then we get into the carb cycling where we're increasing our carbs sometimes and what that does to our glucose. So Ideally, again, you don't want your glucose going anywhere over 110, really. If you're doing a massive carb up because you are heavy lifting and you require the carbs, oftentimes you will get up into the 140s and that's also okay depending on what we're doing and why. But the average person, the woman who just wants to support her hormones and do right by her body shouldn't be going over 110. And again, you should still see a rolling hill. I don't want to see peaks and valleys, even if you're doing carb cycling. So then when you're doing carb cycling, it's even more important to wear that CGM. So you understand what carbs are affecting you and how and why. And one of my most favorite carbs, well, used to be my most favorite was cassava. I loved it. It worked really, really great for me you know, and I thought it was great. Then I did a very similar carb up that I've done for years with no problems, did it with a CGM. And it was like, high, 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 like 210 and then crashed. And I was like, okay, that was weird. So did it again, high, 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 and then crashed. And so that that informed my decision to switch over to things like green plantains, um, doing fruits and things like that. So that's been really fun to kind of see how you can create those rolling hills, even when you're doing a carb up. We all know the health benefits of salmon, rich in omega-3, selenium, vitamin D, the nutrients that keep your thyroid and metabolism revved up and your skin looking glowy and healthy. But a lot of us steer clear of fish because of accessibility, cost, and taste. Some of that store-bought stuff has a real rank taste to it and smell to it, right? Ugh. Not Wild Alaskan Seafood Box, a salmon delivery service that takes wild caught to a whole new level. The seafood in their subscription program is wild caught from a Alaska via small boat fishermen working directly with friends and families to deliver the freshest, most authentic seafood right to your home. From the local small mom and pop processor in Petersburg, Alaska to you. You can go to wildalaskanseafoodbox.com slash KDP and reserve your subscription box today. Choose to receive your box once a month, once every two months, or every three months. Plus, In every box, when you use my link, you'll get a free 8-ounce package of smoked Alaskan sockeye salmon in every single one of your orders for the lifetime of your membership. So all you got to do is go to wildalaskanseafoodbox.com slash KDP, choose your subscription, and then use the KDP coupon code at checkout for your free 8-ounce package of smoked Alaskan sockeye salmon in each and every single one of your boxes for the lifetime of your membership. Okay, uh, next question. Top three most impactful learning gains while using a CGM. Ooh, this is good. I like this question. I would have to say uh, the breakfast, lunch, dinner thing has been quite transformative for my life. You know, as I said, I started keto almost eight years ago and 
for almost eight years, I've not had breakfast. So to be able to sit down in the morning with my husband and have breakfast with him, I actually love it. We don't do a lot of shared meals and having that time together in the morning at the beginning of the day um, to pray together. And, you know, usually we end up having these deep conversations first thing in the morning. And had I not worn a CGM, I wouldn't have been open to that idea. So being able to have breakfast has definitely helped my marriage. Surprisingly, it's been so nice to connect with Kevin every morning over breakfast. Second most impactful um, was was really learning that I can I can have quite a little bit of fruit, I say quite a little bit, like two pieces of fruit a day, and it really doesn't affect my glucose. And pairing that properly with food has been really important. Like I can do oranges and apples, not blackberries, raspberries, strawberries. um, And that's been really helpful. The third is how important it is for balanced keto macros at every meal. And we really focus on this in the six week program. Uh, After I wore the CGM for two months, it really informed many of the strategies and processes that I put together in the six week keto weight loss as I started seeing how all of these pieces kind of fit together by wearing the CGM. So if you don't want to wear a CGM and you kind of want to learn about your glucose, how to support, that's another awesome resource for you. So again, I'll include that in the show notes. So those would be my three most impactful things. Being able to eat breakfast and connect with my husband, knowing that I can get away with a little bit more fruit, which is always fun. And the third is bringing those balanced keto macro or balanced macros. Um, for me, they are keto into my meal day by day by day and meal by meal by meal. Instead of looking at the whole day as a macro, I'm looking at each individual meal and how, how many carbohydrates can I get away with by keeping my glucose regulated and making sure I'm having enough protein and fat. And that's been really fun, you know, getting into the eighth year of my ketogenic journey I'm definitely in a different place than somebody that just started. You know, if I say, how many carbohydrates can I possibly pack in here? You might not be there yet. And so for you, your most impactful learning gains might be completely different and that's okay. Okay, uh, next question. How to interpret CGM data to see what breaks a fasted state? This is a little bit tricky. So as I've said so many times, I feel like a broken record and it's so fun to just have had the ability to come up with this so that I knew how to explain it correctly. So there's two forms of fasting, really, the way I see it. One is glucose regulation fasting and the second is autophagy fasting. Autophagy fasting is really just water fasting and a lot of us don't do a lot of water fasting. And that first form, uh, the glucose regulation fasting, that's basically your fatty coffees and all those things that we have while we still say we're fasting, but technically we're not, but it still can regulate your glucose. So how do you know what's breaking your fasted state? Well, if your goal is autophagy, then anything but water is breaking it. If your goal is glucose regulation, I would say anything that increases more than one point. That's why I love levels uh, because they, they give you a score in each of your meals. So you really want a 10 score, obviously. I usually get anywhere from an eight or a nine. If I do something, uh, oh, like chicken wings, that's a 10. That's always a 10 for me. And it doesn't matter what I eat with the chicken wings. I mean, it does, but I can have a salad with chickpeas and a little bit of flatbread. And as long as I have the chicken wings because they're so fatty, I'm a 10. So was that breaking a fasted state? Well, yeah, I just ate a whole bunch. Was my glucose regulated? Really, really regulated. But ideally, what breaks a fasted state is when you see any movement on that glucose scale. So when you scan your CGM, if you're seeing a movement and a reaction to food, then you broke your fasted state. What I really love is when I don't plug in my food, like I forget it all day and I look at my my app, this has happened a couple of times and I'm like, whoa, did I eat today? I don't even think, did I eat today? And you know, maybe I had like a fat bomb and then chicken wings and it's like 5 p.m. and it looks like I have not eaten. I really enjoy those days. They don't happen too, too often. But then did I break my fasted state? If my glucose was so regulated that I can't tell whether or not I ate, I don't know. Like, is that, 
I mean, our glucose is regulated, but I know I still ate and I'm definitely not benefiting from autophagy. So it's kind of like a trick space there where it's not going to happen all the time. Um, but usually something like a fatty tea with zero caffeine will look very regulated. The reason I say no caffeine is because usually caffeine will either increase you really high or drop you really low. Um, at least by five or 10 points. So those sorts of things, fat bombs and such, usually you can't even tell that you ate them. So did a break a fasted state? If your goal is glucose regulation, no, but like you still ate. So you get to decide what your goal is. Okay, next question. Uh, what should CGM data look like when I'm fasting? Ooh, that's good. I mean, ideally, like I said at the beginning, it should be pretty regulated. It should be about around 65 to 75, nice and even. You know, you're going to have ups and downs. You know, if you work out, it's going to increase your glucose. If you go for a leisurely walk, you're probably going to lower your glucose, but it's going to want to stay kind of around there. Now, if then when you're eating, you're reacting very heavily or at nighttime you're dropping really low, that's a sign that you need to adjust your fasting or stop fasting for a little while. Okay, next question. I'm a type 1 diabetic. What glucose range do I need to keep my blood sugar in to keep ketosis? This is a question for your doctor. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help you with that one. Yeah, chat with your doctor. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Next question. Uh, your cookbook is so underrated. All the recipes are easy, fast, and delicious. Thanks. That's not a question, but I read it anyway because it's my show. <laughs> if you want to learn more about all my paperback books, I got three of them. The Keto Diet, The Keto Diet Cookbook, and Keto for Women. You can find out more by going to ketodietbook.com. And I think you're referring to my turquoise book, The Keto Diet Cookbook. I couldn't agree with you more. That thing totally tanked um, and was not properly promoted or anything. I was in a really ugly place there in my life and I just didn't support the promotion of that book, well, it's really, really sad, but it's so incredibly amazing. I wanted to name it a keto diet meal planning system because it's fantastic and the recipes are so easy. I wrote it on a sailboat in the Bahamas, so <laughs> really simple. But yeah, thanks so much. So if you want to learn more about my paperback books, ketodietbook.com. Okay, now these, we're getting into the longer form questions about metabolic flexibility, glucose levels, brands, all those things, but they're going to be longer because they came in through our contact form. So let's go. First question from Danielle. Hi, Leanne. I listen to you all the time and some more recently in replay. Woo I was wondering why I, 38 years old, diagnosed diabetic, but under keto controlled from 270 pounds to fluctuating 190 to 180 pounds would feel floaty in the brain once in a while after being keto since uh, September 2019. I'm sure it's hormones, I guess. I tried carb ups but found myself bloating through responsible levels of carbs. Blowing, rather, through responsible levels of carbs. I eat maybe 95 to 5 and I enjoy keto. I've connected with Zesty gender, gender based on your interview, but really floaty brain. My blood sugar is normal between four and seven. I don't measure ketones. My blood pressure is normal. I thought that I needed to increase my fats, but based off what you said before, maybe I need to increase healthy carbs. Where's that mental clarity that everyone brags about? Please help. Okay. Floaty in the brain. Okay. This is hard because you said floaty in the brain and I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I'm just trying to understand. You talked about mental clarity. So I'm guessing you're just feeling like your brain isn't anchored in places and you can't fully focus and you're having a hard time with concentration. I'm going to go that route, but let's also talk about if you're getting up, like if you're getting up and you're getting dizzy or you're not feeling right when you're moving quicker, I would say that's more adrenal function. So that would be a very different thing than if you're just feeling like you're not focusing. I would definitely look at the quality of fats, the quality of proteins. When I say quality, I mean like not downing uh, butter and sunflower oil and soy oil 
or not having full on conventional meat. If you can, if, if conventional meat is the only option for you, go with the leanest cuts and add your own oils like avocado oil or coconut oil, just so you can control the fats in there. That should help also. And you said you eat 95 to five. I don't know if that means 95% fat and 5% protein. I don't know, but definitely checking your macros. Now chatting with your doctor, because you did say that you're diagnosed diabetic and kind of seeing where you can kind of push that carbohydrate amount, balancing your macros at every meal. You probably know how to do that as a diabetic and really making sure that you're having quality carbohydrates. If you are concerned about your hormones, some of the best foods to eat for that are going to be more of your detoxification foods and and kind of stepping out of the boundaries there, like turnips and arugula and rutabaga, parsnips, those sorts of things. You don't need a lot of them. Uh, Dandelion greens, mustard greens, sprouts, um, green onions, like just having fun with the different types of vegetables, uh, endive, just so many different things you can choose from. So switch it up as it relates to your vegetable intake. If you're doing pure vegetables on your ketogenic diet, anywhere from like 10 to 15% carbs could work, but definitely good to chat with your doctor about that and just check. So those would be kind of some of my ideas. Um, but with the mental clarity, generally I see a, a food quality issue, a, a fasting issue. If you're fasting for too long, it can affect your mental clarity poorly. Um, also taking a look at your omegas. Um, if you're each eating conventionally raised animals, the omega ratio is going to be way off. The omega three to six can be anywhere from like one to 30 in conventional beef, for example, whereas we want it to be a one to one. So if our omega ratio is off, it can affect our mental clarity. How do we fix that? Clean animal protein. If that's not an option for you, I gave you some ideas and you can also supplement with an omega. If you want to do a cleaner protein and you are looking for an option, today's show actually is sponsored by Wild Alaskan Seafood Box. They have the most deliciously perfect salmon. So you'll hear that ad at some point in the episode. And also Bel Campo. They're an amazing company. You can find out more by going to bellcampo.com slash KDP. I'm obsessed with them. My entire freezer. I have two freezers and they're stacked full of Bell Campo. Like it's, it's serious. Um, so I hope that helps Danielle. Um, okay. Next question from Tara. I'm confused about metabolic flexibility. I think the point is to be able to easily transition from fat burning to glucose burning, but why is it important or healthier? Is it for diet flexibility as, oh darn, I ate too many of the wrong kinds of carbs today and now I'm completely blown out of my state of ketosis and it will take me three weeks to get back into ketosis if I'm flexible. Maybe I'd get right back into ketosis. Am I right? But why else would I want metabolic flexibility and why is this the goal? This is an awesome question, Tara. How I like to think about it is really focusing in on what the body is naturally supposed to do. Okay. So if we think of what the body is naturally intended to do, to have fats, to not have these amounts of carbohydrates, like you cannot tell me that a person is supposed to be eating 400 grams of carbohydrates in a day. If we're intended to eat natural foods from the earth, you know, I think max you could probably do is maybe, maybe if you really pushed it, 300 grams of carbohydrates, if that. And so oftentimes, you know, we go through ebbs and flows of our diet where we eat more fat and then perhaps more carbohydrates, depending on the season, what's available, what farming is available in your area. Uh, what you have access to. And so naturally speaking, our metabolism has been so geared toward in this sugar centric space to burn sugar. Now, when you're born, when you come out of your mommy's belly, you are in a ketogenic state. And as babies, we will go in and out of ketosis as we're having breast milk. The minute we're introduced to food is when we start to go more toward the glucose side of things, but our body was meant to do both. And in fact, there are some processes in our body that actually thrive more in a ketogenic state than they do in a glucose burning state. So having that metabolic flexibility allows our body to be fully nourished with both glucose and fat. Does that make sense? So a couple of episodes that I've done in the past, uh, really going through the steps and stages of metabolism, how it works, why it works. I'm just going to list off a couple of them so you could perhaps go back and download those episodes. So episode 241 
episode 261, episode 275, then 279, which I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. And we also did episode 292. All of those are based on glucose, metabolism, how it works, why we support it. So that might be really important to listen to if you want to go deeper into metabolic flexibility and why it's important. Next question is from Julie. I started keto a week ago at 1500 calories, but this morning I woke with a huge drop in blood sugar, feeling really shaky with heart palpitations. I had a monitor from my gestational diabetes in the past, checked it, it was 51. I ate a tangerine, then egg and a half avocado. An hour later, it was only 66. I ate a quarter cup of full fat cottage cheese. Before lunch, it had gone up to 80, but now two hours After a good taco meat salad lunch, it's back to 67. I feel awful. What's up? Okay, Julie, I'm just looking at your your intakes now. You have a total carbohydrate intake of 26 total carbs. So I bet you your net carbs are like, I don't know, 5 to 10 if that. I really feel like that's too low. I really massively feel like unless your doctor has put you on a strict low carbohydrate diet specifically for your blood sugar, seeing your propensity toward a lower glucose, I would say that you don't need to go that low in your your carbohydrate intake. Now, um, seeing that you could have a tangerine and avocado and everything, it was only at 66. So I would put, you know, you said that you eat 26 grams of carbohydrates a day. I would put it at like 50 (laughs) and just see, what does that do? 50 is good. Lower to 40. Ooh, I don't like that. Go back up to 50. What does 60 do? Ooh, this is real good. I like 60. Go back to 50. No, I don't like that. And then you stay at 60. Perhaps you do that for a little while and just go at it. I know that the same thing happened to me. I went really hardcore keto and did uh, 10 grams. Oh boy. 10 grams of carbs for the first couple of weeks. And I was a shaky hot mess with heart palpitations. It was really bad. So I hope that that is helpful. Okay, next question is from Joanna. Hi, Leanne. I was convinced to try some blood glucose monitoring after listening to the CGM podcast recently. I got a keto mojo to check for ketones too. I keep hearing about being able to check food sensitivities with a blood uh, meter, but can't seem to find any metrics for it. How much should I expect glucose to rise if it's a problem? How long after consuming a food do you check for a sensitivity? Thank you so much for the wealth of knowledge that you share in a ray of sunshine. You are appreciated. Thanks, Joanna. Okay, so food sensitivities, allergies, those sorts of things can increase your glucose. Like that's very possible. However, What you're really checking for as it relates to wearing a CGM or testing your glucose, well, it's hard to do this when you're just testing your glucose with a pinprick, but what you're testing for is how your body responds to that specific food as it relates to the carbohydrate amount. So it's less of a food sensitivity, okay, and more of a reaction to the carbohydrates. Okay. And even the balance of macros in that, in that food, like an avocado has high carbohydrates, but also has high fat. You're probably going to react to that completely different than a strawberry, which is mostly carbohydrate. Okay. And the types of sugars. Okay. So like a medjool date, for example, has high fructose. Whereas if you were to have a green banana, it would have lower fructose. Okay. But if you were to ripen that banana until it got really, really, really ripe, it's going to have far more glucose. How are you reacting to those different balances of sugars and the reaction in your body? So it's more about that than it is a food sensitivity. I find what's really helpful for me anyways, especially as it relates to histamines and stuff like that, is checking for a food sensitivity based on my pulse. And so this can be a good indicator of of how your body is reacting to the food. And I find that to be better, though the science is really lacking for me personally, that can be helpful for me determining like, for example, cacao. If I have cacao and then my, my pulse increases a whole bunch, I just know that I'm having an improper reaction to it. So I try to avoid chocolate now. That's a newer thing. But so does that help is... 
We're really using this to determine how we're reacting to the carbohydrates and the balance of macros in the item that you're eating and less of a food sensitivity. A food sensitivity, normally speaking, is an IgG reaction uh, to a food, and that's usually based on your overall gut health and less on your glucose and all of that stuff. So we more want to focus on the gut and supporting the gut through that process than we do about just avoiding the food. Okay. Jerry says, I've been wearing a CGM for about 100 days. The morning rise starts around 6 a.m. and goes from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. from 104 to 140. I don't have any food. I'm fasting and I'm really confused. Okay, so this is a classic uh, dawn phenomenon situation where your glucose is just higher in the mornings. What does this tell you about stuff? Literally nothing. Just continue to fast, continue to eat keto. And I've seen people improve in this. I've seen people not improve in this. It can take time. Usually with a handful of my clients, like uh, let's do percentages. I would say after eating keto for a year, properly balanced, about 80% of people don't experience this anymore. But there is that 20% of people that will just continue to experience this. Okay, next question uh, is from Jane. Hi, Leanne. I got into keto and found you a few months ago. I suffer from CFS and fibromyalgia and decided to give it a go for consistent energy reasons and weight loss. It was going well until Christmas. And although I'm back on track, I don't feel the same. I'm bloated, heavy, lethargic. Any ideas? I've just listened to episode 292. 292 was the episode with Josh Clemente about metabolic breakdown in your perfect diet. Really good episode, guys. And I'm I'm wondering about CGM, but I live in Cambridge, UK. I wondered if there's anything similar to Josh's product over here. You're an inspiration. Thank you, Jane. Okay, a couple of ideas here. Um, and this seems to be happening a lot lately. I'm getting questions like, I did keto and then I stopped and then I tried keto again and nothing's working. So this is a common thing. And it just means like what you did before worked, but what you're doing now probably won't work. That's just the way the body works. And as we change and adjust things, that's totally normal. So don't worry too much about that. But we need to make sure that your macros are on point, that you're tweaking the right things and that you're really focused on the right stuff. If you're looking for support in this, again, my six week keto weight loss program is fascinating for this, for getting started in this, for cleaning up different areas and for me to point different areas out to you so you can move forward with confidence because you did say that you're trying to lose weight um, really while supporting your hormones and making sure that you are eating enough to support that. Then in relation to your accessibility to a CGM in Cambridge, I believe in the UK you need to chat with your doctor about getting a prescription for that. Yeah. And then you're going to have to use uh, the equivalent, I believe in the UK. Also, you guys have the LibreLink app and then you would just use the app just like I explained at the beginning of the episode. Awesome. I haven't lost my voice yet. Yes. It's so funny. I don't do a lot of these long podcasts and I don't really talk this much ever. So it's funny by like minute 30. I'm like, I can barely talk. Okay. Next question. Uh, Trisha says, hi, I recently took my blood test and the report shows that my glucose level is lower than normal on keto. Do I have to increase my carb intake? Will it kick me out of ketosis? And if I should up my carbs, what should I eat? So Trisha, I'm going to suppose that your doctor doesn't have a problem with your glucose level being on the lower end. Now, some labs say that the low end of normal is 75, that anything under 75 is dangerous. Some labs do anywhere under 70. Again, I'm really happy if my clients fasted are sitting around 70. That's like a great low number. Okay. And again, this is not, if you have insulin resistance or diabetes, please chat with your doctor. If you have a glucose issue, chat with them. I'm not an expert in your health, but I'm just saying with my clients for myself personally, I look for the 70 number. If it's below 70, now you just did a blood test. This is one window in time. One time, if you, I don't know, had a pizza the night before your glucose is if you have a propensity toward lower glucose, it's probably going to be super low. And you know, this one time I had a gluten-free pizza and then I went in for a test and my glucose was like 51 fasting. And my doctor was like, what is happening? You know, it's because I had a total sugar bomb the night before. So 
what you had before is an indication. So I wouldn't change anything in your diet, in your approach. If you did one glucose test at the lab and it came back abnormal, I would get your hemoglobin A1C tested to just see over the last three months what your glucose has been doing, what your blood sugar, how it's behaving before you'd like change out everything or where it continues glucose monitor and get more of an indication. But again, I would not change my entire eating style or protocol or approach to life um, with one glucose number. That's yeah, you need more data than that specifically for glucose. Okay, last question. Yes, we made it under an hour. Diana asks, I'm looking to purchase a monitor for tracking blood levels. What brand and model is best? Okay, I'm guessing you mean CGM. And I really like levels. As I've said before, you guys can find out more by going to levels.link slash KDP. I'm not paid to tell you this. I just really like them. (laughs) I just really, really like them, specifically their app. Like I said before, um, when you get a CGM, I believe anywhere, it's going to be the Abbott CGM. That's who makes the CGM. Now, what app you use to read that data is going to be different. And there are multiple different options. I really like the Levels app. I've checked some of the others out and I just prefer Levels. But you can do your research and kind of see which one you prefer. But I really like Levels for their support, how quickly they get the product out to you for the rankings that they give your food, the logs you're able to keep, the data that they announce. Like, for example, if you forget to log and you have a spike, it'll be like, what happened here? Did you eat something? Did you work out? What happened? Um, it informs your decisions moving forward with information and, and blog posts and support that way. And they do have fantastic support. So again, levels.link slash KDP. And when you use that link, you skip the line. I think, I don't even know. Last time I checked the line was like 60,000 people waiting for a CGM. So by using uh, my link, you skip that line. Yay, happy day. Okay, so that was all things CGM. I referenced a couple of links in the show today. Uh, My six-week keto weight loss program, ketodietbook.com for my paperbacks, and then the levels link. So I'll include those links in the show notes. Guys, thanks for hanging out with me. This was so fun. Let's do it again. My dog really needs to be taken for a walk. So Coconut and I are going to go explore. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.